Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Thank you. Wow. Easter time's a special time of the year, hey? I remember when I was younger, we used to have sunrise services. Who used to go to sunrise services? Yeah. It always rains at Easter, so you'd be up and it'd be raining and you'd be out there looking for the sun. But hey, what a beautiful thing to come and worship Jesus. When we were singing that song earlier, um, Jesus for My Family, I felt the Holy Spirit as clear as anything said, some of you have been believing for others to come to Christ. And a word of faith is that some of them are going to be in church here next Easter with you. I felt the Lord say that so clearly. It'll, for some, it's going to happen a lot quicker than that. But I saw by in faith that as you've been believing that some of them are going to be here worshipping together with you next Easter in church. How's that? If that resonates with you, just say, Lord, I claim that. I receive that, Lord. I believe for that, Lord. I believe for it, Father. And Lord, we don't want to wait till next Easter, but they'll be here by then. I just believe the Spirit of God is just working. As we lift up His name, it says, I will draw all people to myself. Father, speak to us through your living word. Pray for every other church across our city, across our nation, as we celebrate with Easter. Lord, let there be record crowds of people flocking to churches, flocking to Easter events. Lord, reaching out for hope in the midst of a crazy world we live in. Lord, I thank you that you are the giver of life. And we pray your blessing in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. Let's take our seats. Wow. So Pastor Abram will be here next Sunday morning and evening. We're going to do a five o'clock service at night. And we've got a men's breakfast on on Saturday morning. Jamie, just stand up for a minute. Jamie Brooks and some of the team lead that. So if you're interested, men, to come and Pastor Abram will have more time to tell stories about the amazing work of grace. So sign up down the back or catch up with Jamie. Over four and a half thousand churches him and his team have planted over the last 40 years. Amazing story. Many miracles. And uh, just make sure you don't miss next uh, weekend. Wow. Thanks, Ashley. You're amazing. I want to share on some of the fine here. Give Ashley a hand. What a blessing it is. And all the worship team, Aaron and all the team. I want to share on the last words of Jesus. The last words are pretty important, hey? Do you realize that on the cross, Jesus spoke seven key sentences that are recorded? He may have said more, but when you put all the gospel accounts together, there's seven key statements Jesus said. And I want to just focus in on them today because there's great power when we listen to someone's last words before they die. And that's what we need to look at. Um, We remember the death of Jesus on the cross and we've got a cross here and we've got uh, Anne Ham has done some beautiful artwork here. Thanks Anne for your beautiful artwork here depicting Easter scenes and Sunday they'll flip around and there's others on the back. So uh, thanks so much Anne for your uh, artistic creativity there. 1 Corinthians 1.17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And today we want to refocus in on the power of God that saves us now and gives us eternal life for the future. Last Sunday, we had baptized 16 people in water. How awesome was that? Some of them are here today, still powering on. It was great to celebrate that new life. 
And uh, the cross today is a symbol of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. The message and power of the cross still has the same dynamic, life-changing force today as it has right down throughout the centuries. And we need to have that power, forgiveness and hope. It's not a religious thing. Maybe you're here today and say, well, I don't regularly go to church, but I've come today. Or maybe you're watching online today. You think, well, it's, it's, it's Easter, so yeah, we think about Jesus on the cross. Hey, this is not a religious thing. This is a life-transforming, powerful encounter. The six hours Jesus on the cross were the most climactic six hours of all of history. And we need to understand the power of that in our hearts and our lives. Luke 23, I want to read some of the uh, story. Two other men... Both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, oh, what a place, the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right, the other on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. They're gambling at the feet of Jesus. He's dying for the sin of the whole world. They certainly didn't get the dynamic of what was happening. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and mocked. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of of the Jews and it was written in three languages for all the common languages of that day one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him aren't you the Messiah save yourself and us but the other criminal rebuked him don't you fear God he said since you are under the same sentence we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve but this man has done nothing wrong Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You're looking at some of the words that Jesus spoke on the cross. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Now, scientists have tried to work out whether there was an eclipse of the sun that happened there or whether it was a supernatural event. We don't know for sure. But darkness came over that part of the world for three hours in the middle of the day. This was affecting all of heaven and earth, what was going on, Jesus on the cross. It said, the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Where were all the brave disciples? John was the only one who was there. The others had all run away because they thought they were going to get arrested. But here's Jesus dying for your sin and mine. Bridging the gap between heaven and earth. 
Setting captives free from eternal separation from God. Wow. Let's look at these last seven sayings of Jesus. Several of them are listed in this and the others in the God. The first one was the word of forgiveness. Wow, how amazing is this? Luke 23, 34 says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Who was Jesus forgiving? Was it the Roman soldiers that are nailing to the cross? Was it the temple guards who had arrested him? Was it the religious leaders and the people mocking him? Was he forgiven his disciples for running away? Probably all of them. Here we see Jesus forgiving those who were around and who were killing him. No longer could Jesus' hands minister to the sick. They were nailed to the cross. No longer could his feet carry him on errands of mercy, for they were fastened to the cross. No longer could he engage in instructing the disciples, for they had forsaken him and fled. So what did he do? He prayed and interceded for his enemies. Wow, that's a powerful example, hey? What an incredible example for us today. When people persecute us, or ridicule us for following Jesus, for praying and believing that God can still heal and forgive and provide today, what's Jesus teaches to do? Pray for forgiveness on them and pray blessing on them. Wow. That's a word for some of us today to remember we don't fight against people. We fight against strongholds of darkness that are trying to destroy our souls and people's lives. Make sure you forgive people, pray blessing on them, do kindness and ask God to forgive them. He prayed and interceded. Isaiah 53, 12 says, prophesied that Jesus would make intercession for the transgressors and we see this prophecy fulfilled on the cross. Thousands of years before Isaiah prophesied that. Jesus identified with his people by praying this prayer of forgiveness. Previously, he had forgiven people of their sins as the Son of God. Remember the paralytic came down? Jesus forgives their sin. They say, you can't forgive sins. So he says, I'll show you I can. And he healed him and he walked out. He forgave sins as the Son of God. And now he prays for others and asks the Father to forgive them as the Son of Man. How beautiful is that? They don't really know what they're doing, Jesus said. Sins of ignorance or omission need forgiveness as well as the known sin that we actually commit. That's a powerful thought, eh? They knew that they were crucifying him, but they were unaware of the enormity of their act. This showed the blindness of the human heart. They were rejecting Christ's love and forgiveness and Jesus was practicing what he preached Matthew 5 44 says love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that's easier said than done but with God's grace and his example and him forgiving your heart your heart's then free to start to live that sort of Christ-like life and that's what speaks to this broken world when you're able 
to reach out in grace and forgiveness. I think of that family several years ago in Sydney where their children were killed by that uh, runaway drunk driver. And the family were Christians and they forgave. And they've started a movement now right across the nation in February of Forgiveness Sunday that many people have grabbed because they were willing and able from their hearts to genuinely forgive. I thought, Lord, you, you can change our hearts so that we can forgive and release his grace over people's lives. So the second one is the word of salvation. Luke 23, 43. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The two criminals were crucified, one on either side of Jesus. They saw what Jesus had been through and who he was. One accepted forgiveness and eternal life and the other rejected it. You're thinking, how, how could... They're all dying. How could you in your dying breath say no? And yet I've visited people in hospital, visited people in homes that are dying. I've had the privilege of leading quite a number of people to Jesus in the last minutes or hours of their life. And I've had the horrible experience of some people saying no on their deathbed to forgiveness of Christ. I just walk out crying and I think, how could they? But the power of offence and sin and lies and deception so stolen their hearts. And here we see one, receive me in your kingdom. The other one, no, it's too late. We deserve it. You think, how, how could that happen? It happens around us all the time. You see a family presented with the gospel, two get saved and the other five say, oh, that's not for me. You think, how? Jesus reaches out to every heart, gives his opportunity to respond. Don't harden your heart. If you've got barriers and an honest question saying, God, why and how, just take them to Jesus and he will find a way to touch and answer your heart and your mind. Don't keep pushing away saying, well, I, it, it's too hard and I can't believe that that's true. Just be honest with your heart and say, God, I don't know if I can really believe, but if you're real, show me. He will always answer that prayer. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the heart cry. It's not just having all the right words in the prayer. It's from your heart you cry out and say, Jesus, show me the way. If you're real, Show me, forgive me, heal me, give me a path of life. How true that many only come to Jesus when they are desperate. You can't be more desperate than nailed to a cross and you're about to die, struggling to get every breath. It's one of the cruelest ways to die is crucifixion. The Romans Sadly, we're a cruel people. Anyone who disobeyed them or didn't work with them, they crucified. There's a story that outside of Rome on the Appian Way, there were thousands of people crucified in one day, all up and down the highway. Just such cruelty. And Jesus chose to surrender his life and die on a cruel cross 
to identify with the brokenness and the lowness and depravity of humanity outside of God. His grace is more than enough. He heard the cry of salvation. And maybe you're here today or you're watching today and you're at a desperate place in our life. Hey, now's the time to look up. You've looked down, you've looked in long enough, it's now time to look up and see that Jesus, say, Jesus, is there hope for my life? Yes, there is. And the message of the cross echoes that out. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's the words of hope. Say, well, I've done, I'm not worthy. None of us are. I've done so many bad things. Most of us have. But Jesus looks beyond that to the heart that was created in the image of God and has been marred by sin and shame and guilt and pain. He sees the heart that he wants to restore. That's the grace of our beautiful Lord. The third words that he spoke were the words of affection. John um, 19, 26 and 27. Jesus saw his mother. He also saw the follower he loved standing there. He said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. Then he said to to the follower, it was clearly John, here is your mother. From that time on, this follower took her to live in his home. Oh, this touches my heart. Here's Jesus dying on the cross in absolute physical agony, absolute emotional and spiritual trauma as he carries the weight of the sin of the whole world and he stops and thinks of his mum. It's, it's fairly obvious that Joseph's earthly dad had passed away by then. And so Mary was on her own. And that, that day, a woman or a widow on her own, if the family didn't look after you, there was no social service and it was a desperate plight of survival. Jesus, out of affection and compassion, reached out to make sure his mum was going to be looked after when he died. How beautiful is that? It shows that God's put you in families for his divine purpose. Has it been a perfect family? Probably not. Has it got some challenges? Probably has. Has it sometimes been difficult and painful? Most likely. Have there been lots of love? Hopefully. But in the middle of that, Jesus reaches out and says, treat your family with love and grace and care. And then we've got the church family where we love one another and the family of humanity that God wants us as believers to reach out and bring love and hope to our broken world. How powerful is that? The fourth one was the word of anguish. So we've just had the word of affection, we've had the word of forgiveness and the word of... uh, salvation now we have the word of anguish Matthew 27 46 about three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice Eli Eli let me sabachthani which means my God my God why have you forsaken me there was physical darkness over the land for these three hours this was indicative of what was happening in the spiritual realm Jesus was hearing this bearing the sins of the whole world and God's wrath against that sin Fellowship with God the Father was broken for this time as God couldn't look at the sin that was Jesus chose to carry for you and I. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If that doesn't melt your heart with love and compassion when you understand the power of that. That's why we love him. That's why we sing those songs, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Not will be healed. As we connect with Jesus, there is healing for our soul, our mind, our body, our relationships. Everything about us can be healed and restored as we let Jesus be at the center of our lives. Oh God. As he cried out to the Father. We see the incredible agony of Jesus. He bore our sin and the judgment of God against sin. The suffering in Gethsemane was the beginning of this great sorrow that Mary Lynn read today. He struggled with the load of humanity's sin and what it meant to be separated from God the Father. Thank God he submitted to God's plan and didn't give up in the garden. I pray that you continue to follow God's plan even sometimes if there's pressure against you. Jesus is our example. Does life get tough? Sometimes it does. Does it seem unfair? Sometimes it is. But if we follow Jesus' example, he will always bring you through. And there's great reward on this life and for eternity. The physical agony of crucifixion was massive, but it was insignificant in comparison to the agony of the soul of bearing the punishment for our sins on the cross. Jesus suffered, the Bible says, the just for the unjust. The wage of sin is death. Jesus paid the price as the sin offering for us. The anguish of Jesus' soul, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here we see the supreme evidence of Christ's love for us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The greatness of Christ's love can only be understood when we are able to measure what was involved in the laying down of his life and his love. The fifth one was the word of suffering. John 19, 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Well, that's an understatement. He was up all night from trials and uh, kangaroo court cases, didn't get any sleep the night before. And now he's on the cross in absolute agony. Crown of thorns and the nails and bleeding to death and he says I'm thirsty here we see the evidence of Jesus humanity the Lord Jesus was fully the son of God and fully the son of man we also see the intensity of Christ's sufferings I thirst it was more than just ordinary thirst his thirst was the effect of the agony of his soul in the fierce heat of God's judgment of sin it clearly expressed his yearning for communion with his father God again it was not an appeal for pity nor a request for the alleviation of his sufferings, it gave expression to the intensity of the agonies he was going through. Wow. The sixth one is the word of victory. It is finished! 
Yeah, we should all be cheering. Well done. <laughs> Beautiful. What is finished? It's okay to say it's finished. What's finished? Number one, the completion of his sufferings. As he cried out. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him. And by his stripes wounds we are healed. Wow, there it is again. Healing in our souls, in our minds, in our hearts. And sometimes physical pain can be because, physical illness can be because our souls aren't well. If there's unforgiveness in our hearts, doctors will say that many times if there's anguish and trauma and unforgiveness in our hearts, our souls, it will affect sooner or later you physically. And sometimes mentally, there's so many, we're all connected. So Jesus comes to heal the wounds of our spirit, soul and body and our mind. And we can reach out and receive the fullness of that. Secondly, what else is finished? Completion and fulfillment of the many prophecies about Jesus' death. There was dozens of them throughout the Old Testament. They all were fulfilled. Thirdly, the goal of his life is reached. Jesus was born to die for the sins of the world. Fourthly, the accomplishment of the atonement which brings us back into fellowship with God. The pure Lamb of God takes away the sin of the whole world. Remember John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the Lamb under the Jewish culture had to suffer and die to bear the sin. And Jesus did the once and all sacrifice. And fifthly, it's finished, the end of punishment for our sins. So you don't have to be punished anymore because Jesus has paid the price. Paid in full. Has anyone ever had a mortgage or a, a car loan? And when you pay, make the last payment, years ago they used to have a big stamp, paid in full. They don't do that anymore. They send you a little email of thanks for banking with them, whatever. <laughs> they just put a big paid in full stamp. I used to work at a bank and I remember you'd see the paid in full on the end, the final of, of that mortgage or that loan documents. Hey, our lives, our sin is paid in full. You just got to choose to receive it and let your heart have him stamp that on your mind and your soul. You got to choose to do it. He's paid it. He says, come, come to me, all who are weary in heaven and I will give you rest. I will forgive your sin. I will give you hope. I will cancel out every scheme of the enemy. I will break every curse that has gone down through your family line. I will bring restoration to your heart. I will heal the wounds and trauma of your soul. You don't have to keep going down those old patterns that have been destroying your life. Why? Because Jesus said, it is finished. Paid in full. Why do you try to keep adding to it? Whoa, you think, well, I'm not quite good enough to receive it. Jesus is showing you. It's not about you, it's about Him. And all you've got to do is believe it, receive it, accept it, and then live in the blessings of it. You say, that sounds too simple, but that's the gospel message. It's a gospel of grace, unmerited favour. And humanity forever and ever has tried to do it themselves. So that's too simple. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. 
But the Lord has caused the wickedness of us all, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing, to fall on him instead of us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or remission of sins. Sixthly, we see the destruction of Satan's power. The cross declared the destruction of Satan's power. It looked like the moment of Satan's greatest triumph, but in reality it was the hour of his ultimate defeat. Wow. Wow. Hebrews 2.14 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Colossians 1.13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. The enemy should be treated as a defeated enemy now. Don't give him more power than what he's got because Jesus already broken the power and you come under the lordship of Jesus. You need to stand up and use your authority in Jesus' name. says to us, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Hey, we need to know the authority that Jesus has given us in our lives. Don't be under the circumstances, be on top of them. Don't say the devil's been hassling me all week. You should be hassling him and his kingdom. Come on. Jesus has broken the power of darkness. Don't be looking for every little scheme of the enemy. Be looking for the plans of God and the schemes of everyone will shine for what they are, puny and deceptive and broken in Jesus' name. We need to live in the victory because Jesus said it is finished. Let's live in the freedom and authority that we have. Colossians 1.13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He no longer, the enemy has no longer any legitimate claim on us. Once we were lawful captives, but Jesus set us free. God works now in, in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. All we have to do is keep submitting to God, resisting the enemy, and he will flee. And sometimes a new Christian, you get some other people stand with you and teach you how to pray and learn to walk in your authority. Learn to unravel the schemes of the enemy and walk and live in freedom. That's what God teaches us. It is finished. Do you believe it or are you trying to add something to the finished work of Jesus to try and earn favour with God? That's what religion is. Man's attempt to get to God. Man's attempt to be good enough to please God. I do enough good deeds, if I pray enough, if I help enough people, if I memorize all these verses in the Bible, then I'll make it to heaven. That's man's attempts. Faith and grace and salvation is his gift we receive and then we want to do good works to please him, not to try and earn favor. There's a really big difference. And religion and humanity is always trying to earn their way to eternal life. God is fully satisfied with the work of Jesus. Don't depend on your feelings or experiences alone. Depends on what God's word says about Jesus' death and resurrection. I read a story some years ago. A Christian farmer was deeply concerned about an unsaved carpenter. The farmer tried to explain to his neighbor that the finished work of Jesus on the cross was sufficient for his salvation. But the carpenter insisted that there must be something else he had to do for himself. One day the farmer asked the carpenter to make a wooden gate for him. And when it was ready, he took it to the home and put it up. He arranged for the carpenter 
to call around the next morning so he could see the gate hanging proudly on the corner post. When the carpenter arrived, he was very surprised to see the farmer standing next to the gate with a sharp axe in his hand. What are you going to do, he asked. I'm going to add a few cuts and strokes to your work, was the response. But there's no need for that, replied the carpenter. The gate is finished and it's all right as it is. I did all that was necessary for, to finish the gate. The farmer took no notice, lifted the axe and hacked and slashed the gate until it was completely ruined. Look what you've done, cried the carpenter. You've ruined my work. Yes, said the farmer, and that's exactly what you're trying to do. You are seeking to cancel out the finished work of Jesus by your own miserable additions to it. God used this forceful object lesson to show the carpenter's mistake and he was led to accept Jesus and accept the finished work of the cross. How often do we think, well, we've just got to do a little bit to help God out? Just surrender. Receive his full grace and forgiveness and then you will want to do good works to please him, not to try and earn favour or add to your salvation that's really hard kids kids can do it easily jesus can forgive your sin and give you a new life yep i'm in as adults we get a little bit more sophisticated we think it can't be that simple we've got to work this out and so we come up with all these amazing religious schemes and philosophies and and all these things and jesus hey 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 remember the cross it's finished three little words it is finished Let's not complicate this. Yes, we keep growing and changing and maturing. But let's not complicate the beginning and the end of the journey. Oh, Jesus, help us. The last one is the word of contentment as the worship team come. Luke 23, 46. Jesus called in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Wow. An act of surrender and trust in the Father. Jesus was willing to surrender and trust that Father God had his life in his hands. And we know he died. His body was put in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again. You might be having a tough time. It might be like Friday, a day of suffering to you, but let me tell you, Sunday's coming. Sunday's always coming. Don't forget, Sunday's always coming. Life can be very overwhelming, but Sunday's coming. Lift up your eyes and see. Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Today, don't be discouraged or overwhelmed. Jesus has finished the work. Let's stand in his presence. The seven words of Jesus on the cross. The word of forgiveness. 
the word of salvation, the word of affection, the word of anguish, the word of suffering, the word of victory, and the word of contentment as he trusted his life in the Father's hands. Maybe one or more of those is what you need to just focus on for a moment and receive afresh in your life. Maybe you've never ever heard all of those put together before. But I know a message like this, Jesus speaking to all of our hearts. Just close your eyes for a moment. Just take a moment to say, Jesus, which one of those is really speaking to me the most? Is it the word it is finished and I can just trust you? Is it, Lord, into your hands I commit my life, my spirit, my soul, a word of contentment and trust? Is it the word of forgiveness that God's saying, hey, people have done some nasty things, but the key for your pathway forward is forgiveness. The word of affection, reach out and grace to people. Whatever it is, say, Lord, help that become real. And I surrender, I submit to you. Oh, Jesus. Lord, just pour out right right now. In a moment, we're going to sing that song we started with, um, For God So Loved the World. But just right now in His presence. If God's speaking to your heart and you say, wow, one of those words is really just echoing in my heart. Maybe he's calling you back to a fresh encounter. Maybe you've once walked close with Jesus, but right now there's been distance or there's been pain or broken relationships. Or you've realized that you've had pride has grown where you've depended on your own spiritual efforts. Today God's saying, hey, just lay it down. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. If any of those words are just speaking to your heart, just reach up to heaven for a moment. Say, Lord, I receive. I receive the power of those words. Whichever one it is, just let your heart surrender. Just reach up and say, God, I receive the word of forgiveness. Lord, my sin's forgiven. Lord, I receive the words of affection to reach out in grace to family. Lord, I I receive the words, it is finished because I've been wrestling with stuff that I really need to just lay down and move on into freedom. Whatever it is, Lord, right now I take authority over every scheme of the enemy. I release your finished work of the cross into every heart. Holy Spirit, make it real in our souls, I pray. Let it be so real in our hearts. Set us free. Lord, let us lift our eyes to you. Take them off ourselves. Take them off other people. And Lord, help us to lift our eyes to You from where our help comes from. Lord, we lift You up on high. I thank You for Your grace right now. Right now. Now maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you've never really opened your heart to Jesus or it's time God's calling you back. You can feel it. Maybe God's drawn you. You said you just knew you had to get to church on Good Friday at Easter. Someone's invited you. Or maybe you just say, hey, I need to make my peace with God. I've, I've been trying to do it myself. Or I've been so overwhelmed and haven't even know where to turn. But today, you're saying, I'm going to reach out to Jesus, the giver of life. If that's you today, I'd like to say a special prayer for you. You either have never really opened your heart to Jesus, or it's time to come back and reaffirm your faith. If that's you today, men and ladies, young people, reach up to here. Lift your hand and say, that's me. Please pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Who else today? So that's me. That's me. That's me. I want to come to peace. Yeah, I want to come to Jesus or come back to Him. Who else today? 
God's calling hearts right now. I can see His drawing. Maybe you're watching online. Why don't you reach up to heaven right now? We're going to pray a prayer in a moment and let that come into your heart. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. There are others. There's a wrestle going on in your heart. Don't push it away. Don't put it off to another day. He's calling you right now. Who else saying, that's me, that's me. Oh, I can feel His love drawing right now. There's someone here that in the world's eyes, you're very successful, but in your soul, you are just wrestling a huge battle of condemnation, of wrestling with other people's opinions against you. And that's consumed your focus instead of just lifting your eyes to Jesus. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.